that. Hi, and welcome to After the Hype with me as always, Brian, John, and Ryan. Hello. Hello. Today, if you were not paying attention to the end of last week, we are doing the best of 2015, because I feel at this point it is after the hype of 2015, yeah. Yeah, if you will. 2015 is over. Yeah, we're, we're Thank done Thank God. It. Yeah. So we're going to do today's episode a little bit differently. Instead of having guests on, we had people and friends and fellow podcasters call in and give us their opinion. So instead of sitting here and bitch about things they don't actually know or care about, right. We just got them to talk about the things that they really love, and it's going to kind of turn out into something I think will be a little fun. Yeah, we got experts today. But the one person who was not able to call in was our board game expert. So we're going to start with board games, which I know is something we don't really ever talk about on our episode, but when we talk best of 2015, we're going to try to hit everything that we can. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really play any new board games this year, but I did research in games that I wish I had played. But mm. Ryan, did you actually play any new ones this I year? I did. Cryptozoic came out with a Ghostbusters board game, and I followed it. I kickstarted it back in October of 2014. Finally came through in October of 2015, and so worth it. It's a lot of fun. It's tile-based. You build a, a board, and they uh, because I'm a Kickstarter backer, they included just dozens of miniature ghosts and monsters and beasts and characters, and I have like eight different characters to be, including the original four Ghostbusters and some from the cartoons. Uh, and the it's new just a, female Ghostbusters? Yeah, the female Ghostbusters. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So you, you, the point of the game is you move your pieces around the board, and you can get in the Ecto-1 and drive around uh, if you got to go far. And then you have to, everybody has to get their uh, proton packs, uh, proton beams onto the ghosts. And then somebody has to trap a ghost. And then you have to put it in the Ecto 1 to send it back to the spirit realm. And you have to do all of this before ghosts flood out of these open gates and rule the world. That That sounds really fun. That's an intense board game. It's really fun. Huh. It's along the lines of, um, I think it's called Last Night on Earth. It's a zombie game where it's kind of similar. You build a board and you have to like survive and, and live the night basically. Um, and would you say that's the best new board game? Because we have some categories here. Yeah, that, that's okay. my favorite uh, board game overall. Board game design or uh, art design of a board game and best new board game. Um, so for best new board game that I read, that I went, that sounds like a ton of fun. Is a game called Broom Service. Oh, have heard you guys of that. looked into no. this thing? It's basically no. it's like it's a board game based around making yourself a witch and like just <laughs> nice. the way that i looked at like I, I don't have all the details out in front of me i'm not just going to read a website to you but basically if you look it up it just sounds like a total fucking blast mm-hmm. um and then for best card game that uh ryan put on this list uh i looked up the game of thrones deck game of thrones deck building game oh yeah and that looks fucking phenomenal and everything i've read said it's like the best like iteration of game of thrones anything beyond like the books or tv yeah and i know it's by ffg who does a really <clears throat> great job of all of their uh buildable card games so yeah I, i'm sure it's good and deck building games are a blast like they're just fun um, uh, i have a card game as well uh another kickstarter actually I, I don't own this one i didn't kickstart this one but i did get to play it and that is exploding kittens have you guys heard i've heard of this, heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um it's uh, all animated by the guy from the oatmeal the web comic and it's a great party game we played with like eight people and you just go around the room you're kind of playing cards and trying to stack the against uh, the deck against each other and uh hope hopefully you don't draw an exploding kitten or if you do <laughs> hopefully you have the diffuse in your your hand right and uh, one of the best parts about it is uh, for all the original Kickstarter backers, which uh, my buddy was, when you open the game box, it meows at you. <laughs> and then if you, when you go to buy the game on Amazon, it says in the bottom of the Amazon description, this box, like 99.9% of all boxes, does not meow. <laughs> that's, 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 nice. Uh, I love that they have to say 0.9 now, because there are boxes that meow. Yep. Um, so as far as like party games go, or like what we had put here, just like best board game, the one that I want to play the most is uh, Code Names. Haven't heard of that one either. Um, it's a game that basically it's entirely built around a party game. So like mm-hmm. you kind of have to come up with a code name for 
a person, and then as the game goes around, like the party, you kind of have to figure out who the code name is for. Oh, that's fun. And it looks like a, just like a really fun like conversation starter, like <clears throat> especially if like in a room for people you don't really know. Good icebreaker game, mm-hmm. and just everything I read about it, like this sounds like a blast. And then if you read like the reviews for it, like across the board, five stars. Like I'm awesome. it works out awesome. really, really well. It's really it's a really positive thing to be able to force people to be social with each other. <laughs> yeah, and that's what this one looks like. And it's only twenty bucks. You can get it fucking anywhere, and it looks nice. like a lot of fun. I'm actually going to pick that one up as soon as possible, as long as well as the actually everyone that I mentioned. They all sound fucking awesome. Yeah, me too. So, yeah no, there hasn't been a, a one that I've been like, I will never play that. Yeah, like all these really sounded great. Um, while we're on the topic of board games, I just want to shout out to Target for actually starting to carry some really yeah. fun yeah. board games. I'll, I'll listen to a few different podcasts where they'll talk about board games. I'm like, yeah, I'll never be able to see this out in a physical retail store. And I'm right. walking through Target. I'm like, is that? Yeah. That's Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. Pandemic. Ticket to Ride Europe. Kittens. Yep. Pandemic. And then I think they, uh, they even made a version of Pandemic where it's Pandemic Legacy. Oh, where yeah. Where you alter the board for good, forever. I've heard those are really fun. Yeah, they um, did that for Risk as well, where it's like Risk Legacy. And you basically, the board changes each game you play. Right. And you once you're done, once you've finished the entire campaign, you can never play that, that game again. Yeah. Um, so before we move on here, I want to give a really quick shout out to where if you do want any of these board games, a place that I can almost guarantee will have all of them if you don't go to Target is Geeky Tees in Burbank. Um, if yeah. you don't know the place, they're, they're, they're uh, really nice people all over there, and they have a shit ton of vid- uh, shit ton of board games and a bunch of other cool stuff, including tea, obviously. Yeah, it's a the- legitimate place you can go to get like a custom blended bag of tea, and they're uh, they're all like uh, brilliant uh, geeky <laughs> names like Groot Root uh, Green Tea or uh, Mutter's Milk. I'm glad you specified or- that it was a drinkable thing because I'm like, oh, a T-shirt. Yeah, I would have been so disappointed walking yeah. into there. I was like, <laughs> yeah. why is this a consumable product? They do also have t-shirts. Good they news. do. Yeah, they have they have a ton of shit there. And uh, they also are a kit and rescue. So, I mean, they really have a fuckload of things there. Yeah. They're a really cool place if you're in the LA, greater LA God, area. It's all look bad. Go hey. see Donna. She's the one that uh, runs the place. And yeah. She's great. All right, so let's move on to what do we say we're doing next? I already forgot. Let's do video games next. Let's do video games, Ooh. Colin. Uh, who do we have Colin in, right? Jeff. Jeff? Uh, so uh, for video games, I had a, a buddy of mine from Washington, uh, Jeff, call in. He doesn't have a podcast of Pimp yet or anything, but he is the biggest game geek I know, and he actually called in with some really great opinions. All right, guys and girls. Um, I might be varying from the norm here. Uh, I'm not going to talk about games like Fallout 4, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, or Heroes of the Storm. These are games that I sunk you know, countless hours into over 2015, but by no stretch of the imagination would I call them great games. They are adequate games, fun games that uh, consume my life for a period of weeks, but leave no real lasting impact. Uh, So I will be, you know, the gaming hipster of the group. Maybe I'll have some company, maybe not. Um, So for my best console game of 2015, uh, I'm sort of cheating here. Um, I don't have anything really great. Uh, so I'm going to go with The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, uh, which is on the DS. Uh, it was released in 2015, but it is a remake. Uh, but The Binding of Isaac is a dungeon crawler. It is a roguelike dungeon crawler uh, where you play you know, Isaac, uh, where his mother is trying to kill him, and you shoot tears, and everything is procedurally generated. Uh, just uh, random fun ensues. There's thousands of different items that can all stack on top of each other, and you Sometimes you go through really difficult challenge because your items sucked, and sometimes you just breeze through the eight different levels of the dungeon, uh, encountering all these demonic enemies, and at the final stage you kill your own mom, uh, but she was trying to kill you, so uh, there may or not, may not be things after killing your mom, but no spoilers. Uh, for best mobile, uh, I'm going to have to go with Shadowmatic. 
Um, it is uh, fantastically frustrating. Uh, unfortunately, it's only for iOS, so all you Android and haha, Windows Phone users are uh, SOL. But the Shadowmatic game, it gives you uh, a physical object uh, and shines a light on it and you have to manipulate that object uh, in three space in order to create the silhouette of a, a very known image like a bunny rabbit uh, and it gets increasingly hard just very very quickly um, I'm picking it because of its unique nature most mobile games are just rehashes of rehashes of rehashes uh, although it does somewhat offend me in that it gets so so incredibly difficult uh, you must use hints uh, if you don't want to punch yourself in the face while playing the game. And those hints are microtransactions. So I put it down when I ran out of hints, but uh, because of the uniqueness of the game, I'm going to have to put it up there. Um, bonus points for creativity. Uh, best indie game. Um, maybe you've heard of it. I hope you've heard of it. If you haven't, uh, go get it now. It's called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. Uh, so this game was actually a... Uh, hackathon game so they have a, a one day to write a game uh, and and this was the theme was virtual reality so this team uh, came up with the idea of one person wearing an oculus rift and looking at a virtual bomb and the person sitting next to him can't see what the guy in the rift is looking at because he's wearing a vr headset uh, so the person sitting next to him has a physical bomb manual uh, that so they have to communicate through actual voice uh, and say i am seeing a timer with a yellow button and then the guy flips through the bomb manual and he tries to find something along the lines of a timer and a yellow button and you got to spin the bomb around and look at serial numbers and parallel ports and it's just so hectic it's fun and it did come out for PC so you just got to make sure that the person who has the bomb uh, isn't allowed to show the screen to the person who has the bomb manual which it's bombmanual.com I'm not sure how that uh, website wasn't already taken uh, seems dangerous to browse to but it's just the keep talking manual uh, but what makes it even greater uh, not only is this a unique and asymmetrical concept which these asymmetric games are becoming more and more popular and more and more awesome um, the most fun I've had with keep talking is taking two people who have never played it and sitting them down and telling them to play it and just watching them fail <laughs> You take pride in their missteps because that's how you fucked up the first time you played that game. So that game is uh, absolutely uh, one of the best games made in 2015, and it and it almost it was in very strong competition for my best overall, which I'm also sort of cheating because it's also an indie game, and that is the Beginner's Guide. Uh, so the Beginner's Guide is the spiritual successor. It's just made by the same game developer as the Stanley Parable, and the Stanley Parable. If you haven't played, you should. Uh, you, it's a narrative-based game. All you can do is move forward and jump. And when you go through, uh, you come into a room, the narrator says, Stanley walks through the right door. And then you go through the left door. And well, Stanley wasn't very good at following instructions. Um, so that's an example of how the Stanley Parable worked. And it's largely how the Beginner's Guide worked as well. But the, the Beginner's Guide, make no mistake, wasn't about defying the narrator like the Stanley Parable was. The Beginner's Guide and is also very... Um, appropriate for this podcast and you movie buffs because the beginner's guide plays like a movie that is it is entirely linear but it is an exploration through game environments um, of a game designer who is struggling with depression so you you go into an environment that is, has all these disparate things around and the narrator is telling you what was happening in that 
game developer, not his own, but his friend who is a game developer, uh, what was going on in the, his point, uh, th that point in his life uh, when he made this game. So you just go uh, uh, from game to game to game, or one game you're literally doing chores around a house, and one game you're just constantly falling, and another game you're stuck in prison, and it just tells this amazing narrative uh, and brings awareness uh, to uh, people who struggle with depression and what's that, what that could be like from a, in a very artistic way. Uh, and I think that that game had the best and strongest message uh, and was one of the more, maybe even the most interesting game I played in 2015. So that's why I would give that best overall. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much to Jeff. That was a whole bunch of stuff that I most definitely did not play this I year. Know. That's why we did this, because yeah. I knew we would get some fresh people on, and uh, I would love to have Jeff actually call in for uh, an episode sometime, like we had Trey last week. All right, well, let's move on to our picks of this year. So we're going to start at the, the bottom of our list that we sent out um, <coughs> to ourselves, not to anyone listening, and then we'll move up to the top. So uh, we're going to start with the uh, best indie game this year. Uh, I'll go first for what I thought was the best indie game. I didn't really play that much of it, um, but was everyone's gone to Rapture? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was an interesting idea for a game of basically just like you find out a story by basically walking around. It was a cool idea. I, I got bored with it rather quickly, but I think the idea and the concept of it for people who are into that sort of thing is worth mentioning enough to where I thought it was actually probably one of the best of the year. Mm -hmm. Just not necessarily my cup of tea, but I still thought it speaks volumes to it where if even me who's not a fan goes, eh. That's still really well made, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's kind of an emergence of what some gamers will derisively call like walking simulators. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, it's actually there's a, a some great storytelling opportunities with it, with that type of style where you're not pressured into kind of pulling out a gun at the last minute and shooting something. You're just kind of exploring, kind of figuring out the story that has happened or that like happened to that area. Right. I mean, right. like Gone Home did that too. And they were able to manage kind of making the house seem super creepy while you're doing it. Yeah, I liked Gone Home. It was all right. So, like, those types of games are pretty cool. And, yeah, I've heard n nothing but good things about the, the Rapture. Uh, I didn't really play a lot of great indie games in 2015. Uh, I will mention really quickly uh, Ark Survival Evolved. Have you guys heard of this I have, one? I have. Yeah. I was a Steam, uh, what do you call it, early adopter. Right. And uh, I didn't play a very completed version of the game, I don't think. But I love the concept of it, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I think it officially launched in 2015, but it's one of those things that they're constantly updating. So the concept is that you wake up naked and alone on a, a desert island, and you have to, like, punch it's just like minecraft you have to punch a rock and make a stone and then make an axe and then you can chop down a tree and build a hut and the twist is that there are dinosaurs on the island so you have to survive and build a shelter and you're in the, a populated world where when you're sleeping people can come and steal everything you own if you're playing on the live server kind of thing it's kind of cool minecraft yeah. with dinosaurs <laughs> i like dinosaurs and like and i like minecraft. more griefing <laughs> yeah um i only played a little bit of it and watched the rest uh it's soma Oh yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's kind of this underwater uh game and it deals a lot with what what is human and humanity and all that. Has some interesting twists and turns and uh there's just little like little areas where you kind of have to just be on the like avoid you have to mm -hmm. just avoid them. Kind of like uh Alien Isolation. Okay. But uh not as frequent. So that like you, you can tell when you're in an area where there's a bad like a creature that's going to get you. Mm -hmm. But then the rest of it's exploring and getting the story and it's got some interesting twists and turns. And I liked kind of what they were exploring with that. That's cool. Very good. And uh, a lot of cool cool atmosphere. Like they really knock atmosphere out of the park this this game developer. Cool. All right, let's move on to a mobile game. Uh, for mobile game, I'll, I'll list the one that I put the most hours into this year and then when things went awry, 
I basically spiked my phone on the ground and said, I'll never fucking play oh that my game God. again. Um, <laughs> Candy <and> that, Crush. <laughs> ran out Candy of Candy Crush soda. <laughs> uh, mine was Fallout Shelter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I played the fuck out of this thing. And I mean, like, I sunk hours into that, creating like the best possible shelter. Yep. I had everything running. All yep. of my people were banging each other. There was yep. always like a, I had like a pregnant room, like where all my pregnant ladies were. Like, it, it, like I was yeah. doing. And they were all related to each other, too. Oh, yeah. Was I was doing awesome. And then one fucking mole rate, like mole rat attack. And yep. then it's I get just didn't notice it because my entire thing had gotten so big. And you're like, if you wait just a little too long, and then it can spring up in all the other different rooms. Yeah, totally happened to me. And then suddenly they're in every fucking room in my entire thing, and the whole thing burned down. I had two people left. I'm like, well, fuck but you then. That killed it for you. Oh, I was so mad. This is actually my pick too. This is where I start just giving the HJs to Fallout because that's the rest of my picks. But uh, uh, my game actually made it. Like I had a couple of bugs because I I got it on launch day, and uh, oh, yeah, I had a course. couple of women who were permanently pregnant, and that kind of was a bummer. And then uh, it, it did eventually patch. And I opened the game, and they all had babies at the same time, and it was just a big old mess in my shelter. And then one day, it actually got to the point where I couldn't open my shelter, and it, it wouldn't save the file anymore. Every time it tried to auto-save the file, yeah. it would crash my game. So I could no longer progress, make progress of the game, and that's when I stopped playing it. <laughs> See, for me, all like the, the mole rat and raider attacks happened so early. So I would just get started and be like, okay, I'm at a, at a point where I need to kind of build up. Oh, Raider Tech, everything's dead. How do you not Start just over. put some people in your uh, your vault room with machine guns? I did. And they, they didn't the keep up. Was, I, the thing was, I, I would send for, people out and then they I were for, so idiotic, they would die before they could find anything and bring them back. Yeah. Like everybody I sent you out. So I had to stop wrong. sending people out. Yeah, I no. had forgot <laughs> one, I forgot one to arm, yeah. one room, and that's when the mole rats hit. And I didn't notice. I'm like, what fucking, because my shelter was huge. And I'm like, what fucking room are they in? And, and then by the time I figured it out, they sprung up in every room. And I also, in what room, in, in, what, in what world can like pregnant women not just pick up a small gun and shoot things? Like, yeah, they, they just have to run away going, Oh, I was so annoyed. Like <laughs> this game is not very like feminine strong. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> but even that aside, it's like, well, you know, pull your share. I know you're pregnant, but yeah. you're, you're not that far along. <laughs> you're uh, like halfway through the pregnancy. You get a gun. John, do you have a different mobile game, or is that one yours too? Uh, I'm. I didn't pick that one just because there was. I got frustrated with that game so early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, it was the you must build a boat that I mentioned. A oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where it was, it kind of combined RPG elements with a match three in a very kind of fun way. Yep. And it was difficult to pull myself away from it okay. and it had a perfect balance and wasn't frustrating and when you did lose because you lose a lot because it's an endless runner with a match tree so you're gonna lose mm -hmm. but then that's part of advancing sort of in a dark soul style but yeah not quite as you know f you <laughs> but uh yeah it just in encourages you to keep trying there's stats and there's a lot of things you can like kind of min max on it and yeah it kind of it hits that obsessive nature. I like it. A quick shout out. It came out this year, so it doesn't count, but Pocket Morty's has been a lot of fun. That's where <laughs> I've been spending my time. Oh, it's uh, Pokemon with Rick and Morty. Wow. That sounds fun. Oh, it's so good. You're Rick, and you, you are traveling through different universes collecting different Mortys. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, on, let's, move on. let's move on to best uh, PC game. Now, I don't own a PC, so I, I just voted. I voted for the one that I want to play the most on PC, which is Fallout 4. Especially with modding. Which is yeah. pretty impressive because you have it on console. Yeah, but and I'd that, rather play it on PC. That, that is also my pick for PC game. It's probably the biggest game I uh, played in, in 2015 at all. I, I played, uh, as anybody with Steam does, this, they go on sale and I play old games all the time. But, uh, uh, I mean, Fallout, Bethesda, and um, 
Obsidian just really hit all the home runs for me. So I love every Fallout game, every uh, Elder Scrolls game that comes out. Just the RPG nature of it, the immersive world. My favorite thing about Fallout is just the way that you can go wandering anywhere and you just come across these little scenes where you find dead bodies and like a radio in a bathtub. And just the the guy who got to design all of these little moments that you come across that have nothing to do with any plot or dialogue, but are just like you get a hint into the world that this world actually existed. That's what I love the most. And it released on PC Not Broken. So best console game. Uh, I'm just going to make this really short and sweet because we did a whole episode on it. So if you want to hear my actual opinion on it, listen to that. Bloodborne. I didn't get to play Bloodborne. Um, I'm going to go with Arkham Knight. Okay. I'd say uh, Until Dawn. I really liked the oh, cheesy horror. That game was awesome. Yeah. I, I kind of forgot about that when I made this list. That game yeah. was fucking great. Yeah. Uh, and then best video game of the year. I think I know where Ryan's going to land on this one. Uh, but mine is going to... I'm going to stick with Bloodborne. I love the shit out of Bloodborne. That was like the best 60 hours I spent in a game like that in a long fucking time. All right. Yeah. For me, just uh, Fallout 4. Uh, runner up for uh, Star Wars Battlefront for being way better than I expected. I still haven't played it. It's fun. There's no content, and that turned me off right away. But uh, the the fun, like arcade style of it, just is is a blast. And you can sit down and uh, spend 20 minutes on it. Like if, if I want had 20 minutes to play a video game, I could not go open Fallout 4 or I'd be in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. And I'm gonna do Until Dawn again, just because of like I would do Fallout 4, but I hated the ending. So I feel like we should let Until Dawn know because I don't think they got a single Game of the Year award. So yeah. at least they got one from yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, yeah, I just loved what they did, and it was such a concise game. Whereas, like, I think what loses me on Fallout 4 is just, it's not. Fair no, the, the story more so, more so. Apart. Yeah, yeah. Would you say the story falls out? Oh, <laughs> let's move on to comic books next. We have uh, another set of callers for this. Uh, these are some guys that I'm going to be working a lot with in 2016. This is Sheldon and Kirk from Deus Ex Comica, uh, a brand new website that's about to launch in February. Hey, thanks, Ryan. I am Sheldon. Uh, this is Kirk. Hey, guys. How you doing? We are from Deus Comica, and uh, you should be on the lookout for us, folks, because we are coming your way. And let's talk about some comics. Um, best mini for us, hands down, I know Kirk and I both agree, Lando from Marvel Comics. Go s- yes. Amazing. Go read this. Incredible. With Star Wars Lando miniseries, you would not believe that they would actually do something amazing with Lando Calrissian in the Marvel Universe as far as Star Wars goes. But uh, the writer is Charles Soule and Alex Molliv is the artist. And I, dude, Sheldon, honestly, I don't think anyone expected this type of high caliber creativity on a small project like that. Nope. Absolutely shocked me. Uh, I, yeah, I, I cannot say enough about this comic. Go get it. It is incredible. Uh, now we're going to move on to Best Graphic Collected. Uh, what do we got, Kirk? Um, there's a little dissension on this one, but I think we can both agree that even though it wasn't necessarily my top one, everyone is going to be like a huge crowd pleaser for uh, 2015. It was Brian K. Vaughn's Private Eye. And this was a uh, series that was in internet form originally and only, and it was pay-to-go so that you could uh, download all the uh, different episodes. But then the collected volume came out last year, and... Holy shit, it is beautiful. And uh, collected, uh, as it reads collected, it's amazing. And uh, it, it just shows why Brian K. Vaughn is still at the top of his game as far as comic books go. Absolutely. And I know you can still pick it up. Uh, you can pick it up at uh, your comic retailers, but you can also pick it up at uh, thepanelsyndicate.com. So check that out, too. Definitely. Um, now, next, we also have the best running series, and that is The Walking Dead 
from Image Comics. Um, And Robert Kirkman, uh, you know, again, he puts it out every month. It's reliable. It's a great story. He gives us a nice cliffhanger every month. Uh, It is comics. Um, It's it's perfect. I mean, there's no there's no capes. I don't need capes always. It's my one go to for that. Uh, It's different. I don't necessarily need the TV series. Um, it stands on its own, and I love it, and I'm thankful for it every single month. So I can't. I just can't believe that you just celebrated 150 issues. 150. Thing. I know. And it's still. I mean, I'm pretty sure we had some pretty amazing shocks and twists, and amazing, just high adrenaline comic book drama in this series. I couldn't agree with you more. I can't believe that the series is still as strong as it is after 150 issues. And you know, dude, they're only going to keep getting better oh, yeah. and and crazier, and big. it's just going to be insane. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the next we have, and this is uh, a big thank you to you, Kirk, because I would never have heard of this comic were it not for you. Um, this is the uh, best for us breakout comic uh, this this past year. This came out of nowhere. Absolutely, and you can. It's all you, buddy. You can tell. All right, the best breakout. I'm gonna go with Matthew Rosenberg, and we can never go home. It is put out by Black Mask Studios, and it's you know it's a quick little mini that. Uh, the best way I could describe it is essentially imagine a teenage Scott Summers and Jean Grey with a lot of freaking issues go and like just do like a road trip, very uh, true romance. It, it's just those what the characters reminded me of and it's them trying to find themselves. But like true romance, they get kind of caught up in a bunch of gangsters doing gangster shit and people chasing after them because they just happen to have uh, extraordinary powers that the rest of the world is not ready for. And I uh, just out of nowhere, it completely heartfelt, definitely feels real. You definitely feel the uh, teenage angst. And I, I could not get enough of this comic. And I'm really excited by this writer, uh, Rosenberg. They also just announced that there is going to be a sequel coming up later this year. Awesome. Cannot wait for that. Uh, it is it is a great comic. And uh, uh, yeah, look out for it because it's going to be amazing. Um, amazing writer, too. So Absolutely. Um, uh, the next we have is best uh, best crossover event or best event, and it goes for us anyway, which kind of just ended, which you know might count that as a little bit of a cheating, but uh, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> they were delayed on the uh, the release date, but yeah. you, you take this one, dude. Uh, it's uh, Jonathan Hickman uh, mainly did a lot of this sort of layout. Uh, overall, is uh, Secret Wars um, between this and DC's Convergence. I'm really gonna go with Secret Wars altogether. Uh, yeah, Marvel held it together. They wrote. A character-motivated story uh, that was driven by the characters, and the change was by the characters, and not primarily by uh, money, which was nice to see. <laughs> um, and 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 the the outcome was nice to see uh, that that overall the it dictated uh, a different change and a true change. Uh, it, yes. it, it really did dictate what happened in the overall universe uh even if a little bit had to do with the money you know whatever uh at the end at the end of the day uh there was actual peril and there was change from it so i i gotta give it to secret wars jonathan hickman you will be missed sir yes you will I be definitely, missed i definitely have to agree i did not expect to see the stakes raised and see such a um emotional story in a marvel like event series you just don't usually get that but yeah absolutely i couldn't believe how great secret wars was yeah big surprise 
Just big surprise. Yeah. And then I think we're gonna let's just uh really quickly do a shout out before we get to the uh, big ones, which is artist and writer. Sure. Uh, going back, I want to revisit Black Mask. I really think that uh, for 2015, that was the breakout company to watch. 100. percent 100. percent These guys just uh, curated some amazing talent. They kind of are going creator owned a lot, like in the image vein. Uh, their their titles definitely have a uh, a flair for the punk rock. Uh, definitely a little rough around the edges, but I think that's very on purpose and uh, very edgy. And I'm really excited to watch this uh, studio as they start to develop and kind of come into their own because they've already, like I said, 2015, they put out one of the best comics uh, on the market and told one of the best stories. And I don't think the company's even two years old yet. So, guys, go check out Black Math Studios. We're really excited for that. Yeah, and uh, and on top of that, I think uh, you know if you if you if you've never gotten into them, um, obviously you want to pick up. You can never go home, but uh, also check out Young Terrorist. Um, that is going. That is sort of one of their tentpole books because they mm-hmm. are going to develop a sort of uh, Avengers style book uh, based off of Young Terrorist. And then another one that you pointed out that you turned me on to, Sheldon, was actually uh, Space Riders. Yes. Yeah, that's another good one. Just completely groovy, like Mike Allred art, but just completely crazy EC Comics, old school space sci-fi telling. It's crazy. Check that out. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's a lot of fun. Um, So check those out, guys. Uh, That's that's Black Mask, uh, com, I believe, is their actual website. Uh, they're, they're, they're a great group. Uh, but let's hit the uh, the two sort of last big ones. These are the big ones. These are the big two for 2015, the best of. Yeah, so we got uh, best artist. You want to go with artist first? Uh, yeah, let's go best artist. All right, so 2015, in our opinion, and this is definitely very arguable yes. and debatable, and this is why we love comic books in the first place. Mr. Sheldon, 2015, okay. best artist. David Aja with Hawkeye. Um, you know, he and Fraction did, for the most part, arguably the quintessential Hawkeye run. Yes. Really, I mean, when you tell me there's going to be a Hawkeye run, I'm going to laugh at you a little bit. But then you put <laughs> Matt Fraction and David Aja on Hawkeye, and you let them go for it. And then you sh- – I mean, they they give you a quintessential run, and then you see the artistry that is done uh, by Aja and the the layouts and the, the way that he is using all of the page, the covers. I mean, every – aspect of it is just a work of art and um i dude i cannot imagine your notes yeah i can't imagine the notes that fraction was giving uh his artist to be able to pull off this series yeah and i mean it does it just has its own original feel that kind of really reminds you of a really romantic film with a lot of like spy action i it, it's there's so many great elements and themes going on with this series that it's hard to pinpoint like just a few specifics as to why you need to pick up this series but, I mean, just this art alone and the layouts and how they handled the panels, Sheldon's absolutely right. Every aspect that this guy touched uh, putting the series together, just it works perfectly. You can see the detail and the love that went into it. Yeah, yeah, it was just great. I loved it. Um, and then, well, obviously, uh, this leads us to Best Writer, Kirk. and uh... Best Writer of 2015. There you go. And this was it? hotly debated. We had a lot of opinions. We definitely have a lot of favorite artists and writers to talk about but the the best writer the one that stood out the one that we saw the most consistently amazing work put out this year sheldon take it away always ed brubaker no um <laughs> <laughs> that's my own personal opinion uh, <laughs> it is uh brian cave 
yes. who continues to amaze not just not just with Private Eye, not just with Paper Girls, um, not just with Saga, not just with uh, what was the we uh, stand on guard that we stand on guard. He continues to put out high caliber, great stories, um, and we can expect more of that and more from his uh, more from his websites. You know, he, yes. he continues to build great stories and in different ways and. Um, seemingly uh like he's I, never gonna run out <laughs> yeah and i can't i can't believe how diverse he is in all of the stories that he tells yeah i yeah. that that was i mean you know uh we stand on guard was definitely uh commentary on you know u.s political foreign affairs and how we handle them and Absolutely. then paper girls goes and, and recaptures like the love that we have for the those goonies 80s and, spielberg films yeah. like goonies and that sort of thing and then uh there's also so much progressive forward thinking in his ideas and the stories that he's telling. And on top of that, you have Saga, which should be like this amazing epic sci-fi, you know, fantasy adventure, but is dealing with such human family issues and uh, the development of the characters. Like, I just, I can't believe how incredibly layered these grand ideas that he has come down to something that essentially every comic that you read from him, you're going to find something that you personally will relate on. And yeah. uh, I, I'm just floored that he's able to pull that from every title. Yeah, he, um, hands down, uh, you know, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, just when you think he can't top himself, he continues to, he continues Absolutely. to keep reaching. So uh, here's to, here's to 2016, and hopefully all of these bars will be met and leaped over in by bounds. So I can't, I can't wait to see what 2016 is going to bring the rest of us because, like you said, they're the, the caliber of uh, art. And work that's being put out there. I, 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 have, a, I have a feeling that 2016 is going to bring uh, a whole new reboot from a certain company. No. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I just I've heard things. I've heard things. There's uh, rumblings. What what it will bring is hopefully you guys to our site Deus Comica and uh, expect great things from us and we hope to have great things from you guys. Uh, that is it from me, Sheldon, and from Kirk. I would like to give one more plug because I want to spell that out. Deus Ex Comica, D-E-U-S-E-X-C-O-M-I-C-A.com. You can always find us also at that Twitter handle. And uh, please look for us online. And also, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you for having us. Uh, comments down below or anywhere on the page because we want to hear <laughs> your opinion. Essentially, if we were right or wrong. But uh, we'll, we'll give you a place to talk about it. It'll be a safe place. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> is that no, a good spiel? No, no touching above no no touching below this line. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. There you go. Right. There it is. There it is. There it is. Thanks, boys. All right. A lot of great stuff there. Yeah, that's a yeah. I mean it, uh when Ryan told me that they, we had one twelve minute thing coming in, I was like, that might be a little long. But then if you listen to it, it's kinda of like, well, that's like a little mini podcast in the heart of ours, which is also what Ryan said. Yeah. Uh but I think it works, and I think it's a really good lead into what we're gonna talk about because they clearly know way more about comics oh, than yeah. I fucking ever will. <laughs> yep. And that's coming from somebody who considers himself a very big comic fan. So right. uh, even at that, it's like, wow, like that's impressive. Um but let's start kind of how we did with the other one. Let's uh, let's go with the best mini series, and I'm gonna say mini series are like kind of run because I'm already cheating with mine. Yeah. Um. But I'll go first. Uh, for me, what I thought was the most entertaining thing in comics last year, as far as like a run goes, was basically the return and end of Scott Snyder's version of the Joker, which in in uh, Batman and, and Batman Endgame, 
Which, granted, ah. it's not really the end of the Joker because it never really is the end of the Joker. But this was such a great follow-up to Death of the Family that it was like the most fun read of Batman and the Joker in a long fucking time. That's yeah. good to know. I actually stopped reading his runs on Batman with the volumes three and four. I forgot yep. what the titles of those series were, but I, I'll go back to Endgame because I loved... Uh, City of Owls and and uh, Death in the Family. Yeah, Death of the Family was really really. Or Death good. of the Family. Yeah, not in the family. This one's not about Robin dying. Right. Um, but yeah, no, Death. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> oh, kind of. Yeah. But yeah, Death of the Family and Endgame was really. I think like those are the two like shining achievements of Scott Snyder and uh, Batman. So well, that, and when yeah. I when I first read it, I, I was like when I realized it was a Joker, I was like, oh god, not the Joker again. And then by the end, I was like, that worked. Even by the end of that issue, mm. I'm just like, oh, fuck. like the way that issue opens, like the way Endgame opens with all of the Justice League trying to kill Batman. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is a fucking intense open. Like, this is surprisingly good. And yeah, the whole series just had twists and turns, and it was just really great. And it was fun seeing this version of the Joker and like just one who was just like, you know what? I'm tired of pulling punches. Like, I'm out to kill you this time. Yeah. Like, and that was kind of like, it was fun. It didn't feel as much of a game for the Joker this time. Yeah. And and Snyder does a good job with that mystery. He, yeah. he kind of gives you a good hook, and then you're just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. So, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I was. I was That's a big gonna fan. be mine as well. I'm okay. piggybacking on yours. Yeah, right on. Uh, I, I talked about it a few times this year on the podcast. Uh, this has been my year of Marvel. I've been trying to catch up on all their old stuff with my um, unlimited subscription, and uh, kind of started there with my my revisiting, uh, actually collecting comic books weekly. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the Marvel miniseries Ultimate End. This was Brian Bendis's yeah. uh, kind of swan song to the Ultimate Universe. Part of the the Secret Wars event, he did a tie-in where he's uh, the the plot of Secret Wars is that it's this patchwork planet made up of all of the remnants of the Marvel universes. So Ultimate End takes place in New York City, where the Ultimate New York City has been dumped straight on top of the main universe, New York City, and all these superheroes are trying to coexist together. And just the uh, from the first issue, I knew it was going to be great. He really gives a lot of love to Miles, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. And it's just a really nice farewell. Um, the only thing that was probably better than it was the the main book itself of Secret Wars. Yeah, Bendis is like my favorite thing about Bendis is that you can just tell he just loves Marvel and writing yeah. for Marvel and writing with those characters. Like he just brings so much to the table every time. Like, I, I mean, to me, he's uh, he he's kind of hit or miss. I, I, I think him. he probably does a lot of work for what I'm going to call commerce. Where okay. they throw him something like Avengers Assemble, and they're like, "We've got to put these characters in it, and you got to come up with a simple story to get kids into it." And he just like kind of pens it out, and he's done with it. But the characters that he loves, like Ultimate Spider-Man, you could tell he really, really loves Ultimate Spider-Man and uh, the X-Men. Yeah, Spe- like yep. the, his all new X-Men series was fantastic. All right, let's move on to uh, best ongoing series. Uh, for me, this usually, like we just heard, would be hands down Walking Dead every year because mm-hmm. what they do is fantastic. I wholeheartedly disagree with what we listen to, though, because I thought this entire past year of Walking Dead was boring as fuck. But so for my best ongoing series, it's easy. It's Teenage Mutant, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's fantastic. It's been fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. They hit yep. issue 150, or not 150, they hit issue 50 this year. They had a great storyline going into it, and they continue out of it great. It's Turtles has been phenomenal since they've come back to comics yeah i actually just started it and i i don't know if it came out this year but that's my favorite uh collected edition right now is team nt volume one uh the first whatever 25 issues yeah it's really good yeah i can't so say good. it's my best ongoing because i i'm not there yet yeah but. uh so what was your ongoing then my ongoing is also going to be turtles just yeah. because of that Fuck like because yeah, I, I didn't but see again i didn't read too many so that's kind of a knock against me on that but the one i did read turtles was the one yeah uh, 
So I have a series that actually it ran through all of 2015, even though it's pretty uh, new series with old characters. I'm going to give it to Charles Soleil with his current run on Inhumans. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it started, 2015 started with his like issue number 12 or something, a really low number, and he did uh, the Inhumans throughout uh, the beginning of the year. Uh, during the summer event, he wrote one called Attilan Rising, which was the, the story of uh, the Inhumans as they're interacting with... Uh, god doom and trying to figure out what's going on and um black bolt plays like kind of this noir feeling uh like private eye almost who's trying to investigate medusa's connection to doom and so it's really good and then after that he has uh been writing uncanny inhumans mm. uh starting post secret wars and it's continuing to be even good uh even better uh black bolt has uh given up his only son um to save him from the events of Secret Wars, and we're gonna see how that uh, how that plays out. Okay, uh, so we're gonna go with best new series. So a series that started in 2015. I really need to emphasize that because mine only had one issue in 2015, <laughs> but it started, or it might have had two. Uh, I don't think it. Well, whatever. Uh, my best new series of 2015, and I'm kind of biased here just because I fucking love this character. It came out <laughs> during the uh, the Marvel Spider Verse event. Oh yeah, it's where she started. Um, and I know most people would think I immediately say Spider Gwen, and nope. no, no, I go Silk. Silk is fucking awesome. Huh. Like I love that character. I love everything about her. And her book has only had a few issues, but each one of them have been great. Uh, I love the artist. We'll get into that in a moment. Uh, but nice. like everything about Silk right now has been a blast. It's been fun, and it's it was it does something with a female Spider character that I feel like really hasn't been done before, where she doesn't feel like a clone of Spider Man. And she doesn't feel like a Spider Girl, Spider Woman character. Like yeah. she's her whole own new thing, and it's just been—it's been a blast. That's a lot of fun. I'm actually gonna go the other way, uh, where you didn't go and say Spider Gwen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what I like, man, Spider Man has always been my character, and Peter Parker has been always been the secret identity that I uh, relate to the most. Uh, and Spider Gwen is doing a really cool job of telling something that feels like the old Spider-Man comics, the old Peter Parker, except it's Gwen Stacy. Everything is turned on its head. She's in another universe. And uh, they're getting really creative with the way that they fit the Lizard and Dr. Octopus and Captain America and all the other Avengers-type characters into the story. Everybody's there, but with a little bit of a twist. So Captain America is a female. Um, I think there's a female Nick Fury as well. And just like everybody's got this little variation on it. I'm really loving the comic. And okay. I, I gotta say I like Spider Gwen's uh, costume design better than Silk. It's it's fair. Yeah, oh, I love Silk. Yeah. But- uh, so a little bit of a cheat because it technically started in 2014, but it's ongoing, and it's uh, Scott Snyder's Witches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is his? It's a newer horror comic series by him. Uh, it's limited, but it's still ongoing. So it, it's kind of more like if they don't get funding, they're probably not gonna do more sort of thing. Oh, that was like with Brian Bendis's uh, Scarlet, which was mm. fucking great. Yeah. And now it's gone. And really the premise was that he was out, like, how he came up with the idea is he was in the woods. He thought he saw something in the trees and it freaked him out. He's like, I should turn those into witches. <laughs> and then, like, then then he weaved in, like, his fears as a dad, as a parent, throughout the whole, like, first arc. And it was, it had hit the in the feels. Nice. Really liked it. And the art style was kind of very paint, like, watercolory, kind of like the um, 30 Days a Night style of more, like, kind of... It looks sloppy, but there's there's kind of an artistry to it, kind of getting uncanny in the the painting. Cool, really cool style, really really deep deep storytelling within a very simple horror premise. All right, so best comic book art, uh, I'm gonna go with Stacy Lee and Silk because nice. I fucking love <laughs> Silk. 
I have uh, written down Chris Pachalo for his work on Doctor Strange, the okay. newest incarnation. I think we're like three series, three issues in, but he's doing a really cool job of like creating that feel of Doctor Strange can see all these weird otherworldly things that we don't see. I'm gonna agree with the guys that just called in on Aja for yeah a Hawkeye because nice yeah oh, that's a good when, one. once they mentioned it, I was like yep that's my pick that's yeah. the only thing I open that comic for is the, uh, to look at the pictures I don't yeah. read it <laughs> I don't care <laughs> about Hawkeye. Hawkeye at all oh my <laughs> god <laughs> he's just gonna die in it yeah. <laughs> sorry Matt Fraction uh, we, just, we just lost him as an audience let's see all right before we go into best comic book overall uh, I don't have a one shot and I know John doesn't either no. but Ryan you said you had one really good one shot it's actually my my favorite issue of the year as well oh wow uh, so we'll just jump right into it the, my favorite single comic book that came out in all of 2015 is Hank Johnson agent of Hydra this was wow. I think right before or during the beginning of the secret wars event this is uh, the story of Hank Johnson bumbling idiot agent of Hydra so it gets into stuff like you see all of Hydra hail Hydra given the hand wave and he's yeah. just like oh man like, <laughs> he gets home and his wife is nagging him and he's like I almost killed Captain America today but I got foiled just a, you know along the lines of the cleanup crew it, series I, it was just a really fun one shot yeah I didn't read anything quite that good but my best uh, comic book overall um, I'm gonna I don't have a specific issue to pick out I mean I could say well no fuck it I will issue 50 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I just say that so fast uh, it was like the the like it was the end of basically a fifty issue arc. That's like they great. had like a running idea from issue one of where they wanted to go with it. And of course they do offshoots and stuff like that. They go to they bring in a whole bunch of other people. I don't want to spoil things if you haven't read the series. This is actually one I don't want to spoil for people. But once you finally get to issue fifty, you can it feels like it's the culmination of everything up until oh, that nice. point. And it was just so fucking good. That's a really solid thing. And that yeah. Secret Wars number nine felt that way to me, where yep. you really felt the end of Hickman's uh, runs on New Avengers, Avengers, Fantastic Four. All of them culminated in one point and uh, came out in 2016. So next year, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing as you. I had to, I had to piggyback <laughs> off of it just because, like... You guys it, read the same comics this year. Yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> Glad I read Marvel. Well, you recommended it, and I, and I started That's reading so it. And I, you were, you're right. I mean, when you're right, you're right. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Cowabunga, dude. Uh, all right, so let's move on to TV. Uh, and for that one, we get uh, old co-host Nick Friedman, a.k.a. the Hadouken from Hoboken. Yay! <laughs> all right. Hadouken from Hoboken! <laughs> Woo! Uh, he called in. He did have some recording issues, as he will explain right in the beginning. <laughs> So for some reason, the last recording stopped. I didn't know where it stopped. So uh, you're just getting scraps at this point, Brian. I'm sorry. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention to to a few shows. First and foremost, uh, Bob's Burgers, Broad City, and Review. I feel like those are easily two of the best shows or three of the best comedies on TV. Like, hands down, like, no question. Um Especially Review, I feel like that's a really underrated show. You guys should watch it. Andy Daly is incredible. Um, as far as reality TV shows, I have to recommend this awful, awful show, uh, Are You the One?, which is basically 20 stupid people trying to figure out a simple uh, compare and contrast like process of elimination problem. It's horrible. But it's it's really funny. And it's definitely worth watching if you're into just like... I have to waste some time. I don't necessarily want to think about this and then just be astonished at how little thought is put into the show. Um, 
then I also want to say that Top Chef is back because Top Chef, I think, is one of the best fucking shows, like reality shows or otherwise. Like, it's a great franchise. But the show that I looked forward to all year genuinely was just so excited to come home and to watch it and then to talk about it and to recommend it to other people and to brag about it is Fargo, the season two of Fargo. Um, I think that it's not only is it incredibly well done and also does the best job of emulating somebody else's style without ripping them off. Um, it also did what True Detective wanted to do, but better, which is a serialized kind of seasonal, seasonal serial sort of thing, um, which is not a new concept. Uh, American Horror Story did it before that, but I think True Detective kind of brought it to major American audiences. But I, I don't think that it accomplished what it really wanted to do. It didn't build on anything. It didn't build on the mythos of the universe or whatever. It didn't do anything particularly interesting. Um, but I do feel like uh, Fargo did that same thing, but better, um, which I'd already said before, I guess. But what, in case you don't know, Fargo season one happens. Fargo season two takes place in the 70s before Fargo season one, following the dad of a character in season one, which I guess could seem complicated, but you don't even need to see season one to watch season two, which I think is really incredible. And in a weird way, I'd recommend watching season two and then watching season one because they reference a few things that happen in season two vaguely. But they just do such a good job of building up that whole universe in a weird way, the universe of Fargo. They're pulling from the movie um, just in the sense of style and philosophy and all of that sort of like it's it feels like it's sequels to the movie but not being these direct things and i feel like it's the best show on tv like easily hands down was the most entertaining gave me the most goosebumps did the most i feel like to push tv in a really interesting way um it's just crazy how how good the show was, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, so I won't, but it just does such a good job of creating these amazing characters and having, like, amazing moments in the show that you wouldn't necessarily expect. They tend to not take the easy path. Um, I really can't sing its praises enough. I do feel like it's easily the best show on TV. I, I just really can't imagine really any other show beating it i'm probably blanking on a few shows that i watched that i really enjoyed um but nothing is coming to mind right now uh i guess you could say the jinx or to catch a murderer but there's something weird about the reality ish part of it that i feel like it deserves some sort of nomination but it's just a different beast i guess which i, I don't know it's kind of a cop-out but easily 100 percent fargo hands down i i just really can't recommend it enough i assume you guys are watching it but if you aren't you really 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 fucking should <laughs> and that's it right on i completely <laughs> agree with nick <laughs> Uh, well, I, I wrote down, when I made a list of this, I actually wrote down at the top of 
the TV segment that I have not watched Fargo. I wanted to mention that because it would probably have all my awards otherwise. There's a strong chance that it would have for me as well. But if not, I mean, you're going to notice real quick that I have a pretty big theme to my best of for TV. Because I, I watched one show this year that I didn't think it would ever come back to in this strong like emotional attachment as I have because of Ooh. its current season. Who could that be? Um, so we'll start with Best Actress. We're keeping the, the categories a little low. And right okay. off the get-go, you're going to know where I'm going to be throughout pretty much this until, entire series. Yep. Um, so best actress for me, Jenna Coleman, Doctor Who. Oh. She did the best she's ever done. She actually made the character not just a clone of the Doctor, which is what my complaint has always been for yep. uh, Clara. is like, oh, this is a Clara Oswald show. I don't really want to watch it. And she actually made herself both a leading and strong female and the Doctor's companion. And not just companion in the way of, like, she's the hot thing that follows this guy around. And love is in love with him. Yeah, she made herself, like, an actual, like, partner yeah. to the Doctor. Which is something that I don't think has really fully been accomplished in a long time. Like, it was, like, uh, uh, Donna Noble kind of did a little bit, but she was also very, very Catherine Tate. So it kind of made it a little bit difficult. Um, Martha Jones was horrible, I think. Uh, she's a fine actress, don't get me wrong, but they just did the wrong, they went the wrong way with her character. And Billy Piper was a love story. So like yeah. this one, it really felt like the first time where she was his partner. I agree. And he needed her. And like she did such a great job owning that. Like it was it was fucking phenomenal. She's she was probably great. the best companion since Sarah Jane. I could you know, I never ever would have said that until season nine. And then right. season nine, I'm like, fuck, she was amazing. Like, I mean, without her, Peter Capaldi would have tanked hard in the last season. Uh, she was the only yeah. thing that held the show together through she, that transition. Through the season eight, she absolutely yeah. yeah. Without her, the show would have died. I mean, and the, the way they rebooted with Matt Smith and Amy Pond at the same time worked great. Those guys had great chemistry. Yep. But moving into Peter Capaldi with a new Doctor, he would have just bombed. Yeah. Uh, so actress, I'll go next. Um, to Nick's point, I, he didn't mention her as the actress, but uh, Kirsten Dunst in Fargo. It, it does a very understated and very solid, solid performance. I think she did a really good job. That's saying something, because I don't think I'd ever, ever say Kirsten Dunst is the best anything other than right. child actress from uh, Interview with a Vampire. But I, have, I, do have to, I do have to caveat that I haven't seen quite as many TV shows, so there could be one that is better, and that I'm just pulling from a small sample pool, but she was good. Like, she was, she had a good role, and she played the, yeah, she played the character really well. Fair enough. And Fair and, enough. and there was, there was, a, there was a, a, like, you can't discount this uh, understated nature. Cool. In, a, in, a, in a show that's about crazy Cohen-esque people... Yeah, to have someone understated and still with a quiet power in them, that's that's hard. That's hard to do. Yeah, uh, I didn't really watch a lot of the the great shows people have been talking about this year, including The Leftovers, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, so on and so forth. Uh, so I'm just gonna go with Haley Atwell from Agent Carter. She's that's a been solid choice. Having a really good time, yeah. Yeah. and I'm solid. having a good time watching her. Yeah, she's great. Uh, all right, so best actor. I had somebody written down before, and it changed. Uh, <laughs> I bet you could guess to what it changed to. Uh, Peter Capaldi, Doctor Who. Uh, again, he <laughs> surprise. Uh, yeah, only surprise. because of how well he upped his game from last season. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he went from I don't know what the fuck this Doctor is right. to really being like a well-rounded, like to knowing what solid the fuck the Doctor, doctor is. Yeah, to being <laughs> to being his own Doctor and yeah. making him somebody that I want to watch. And the fact that I only have one season left of this Doctor is very, very depressing. It was because a big I deal. wanted three yeah. of them. All right, next. All right, um, this is where you're gonna get what what where my picks are going from here on out. I'm going to go with Mads Mikkelsen for uh, Hannibal. Oh, okay. Nice. They yeah, clo- he closed out that series in such a great way. And his take on Hannibal is great. Mm-hmm. Like, Anthony Hopkins is good. He's the classic, but... Um, uh, man, I, 
I literally had it written down until one second ago. I was going to go with Robin Lord Taylor, who's playing the Penguin on Gotham, because he's oh, having okay. a blast. But yeah. I'm going to change it. Last second, David Tennant and Jessica Jones. He was oh, so fucking good. So good. Yes. The, the only reason I enjoy the show. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed it uh, for a few reasons, but he really drove it home. To see somebody going, uh, the last thing I saw him in was uh, the super charismatic Doctor Who mm-hmm. to the total 180 super creepy villain was fantastic. Man, that guy can act. Uh, so best episode of any TV show. Uh, I'll just keep my train going. It's uh, <laughs> it's episode 11, Heaven Sent, from season 9 of Doctor Who, which is basically all Peter Capaldi all the time, but it is one of the most emotional and like character-driven episodes. If I didn't go with that, I would go with the finale of Jessica Jones. I was really happy how it ended. Uh, I'm not always happy with like the finale of a first season. There was a Fair sense enough. of like catharsis and release yes. and like relief. I mean, and it was building. It really properly built the tension the entire season, and then the end uh, just released it. And I, I, I cheered for yeah, like how it just how it played out. I was like, yes, yep, you go, girl. And I, I in the most manly the, way possible. <laughs> <laughs> I read the comics just before it came out, and I had no idea that they made an entire season of a TV show out of three issues. Of yeah, Jessica that's Jones impressive. Out of three yeah. issues, and uh-huh. it's it is as solid as it is. Yep. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, man, I'm usually bummed when I read the source material and then go right into the TV show. And once I was like, oh, they're gonna make the entire season out of this. Oh, that's what they're doing. Purple Man. Oh, I like this. Yeah. It was really good. And those side characters in that finale, yep. the side characters who just kind of like, oh, you feel for them so much. Yep. Like, yeah. it's pretty great. Um, mine is the Hannibal finale. Surprise, surprise! Yeah. yeah, if you if you watch Hannibal going into it as is as a as a huge romantic like bromance between Will Graham and Hannibal, the poetic ending is so just yeah. amazing. Yeah, where they, they they it's it it's hard to explain without getting too spoilery, but there's a moment where it's like they're gonna do this. Oh how how romantic! <laughs> and it's the most grim thing ever. Love it. Okay, so best show overall, um, Doctor Who, uh, <laughs> uh, Hannibal. <Next. laughs> So Ryan's the one. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Daredevil overall. Even though Jessica Jones had really strong moments and characters, uh, I had a lot of fun on Daredevil. It seems Daredevil like Daredevil was great. It yeah. seems like Daredevil is the most consistent in its quality. Whereas Jessica Jones has its uh, when it's up, it's up, and when it's down, it's really down. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, then since we are primarily a movie podcast, oh, should I we talk f- about? Movies? I feel like we should talk about <laughs> movies. I mean, better late than never, right? I guess. Yeah. I w- uh. we were gonna get uh, somebody to do this one, but when I got a 12 minute clip for comic books, I said we have enough callers. Yeah. We can handle movies. I think we can handle movies. Yeah. We handle movies on a weekly basis. Uh, it's kind our, of our thing. So we're going to start just kind of the bottom of our list here, as we did before. Uh, we're going to start with best special effects. We're going to go kind of broad here. I know there's a lot of subcategories and stuff like that, and we do have more here than we did for any of the other ones, but uh-huh. we'll still move through. So best special effects, if any of you disagree with me, I'm going to be surprised, but I have to go with Star Wars Force Awakens. I disagree with you. Really? Because I felt the special effects. As well as the practical effects were done mm-hmm. when there were animated aliens on the screen and such, I, I knew. Uh, so my pick is Fury Road, which like the, okay. the yeah. special yeah. effects yeah. just blended so seamlessly into the practical I'm actually with effects. Ryan on that, yeah. I, I can't argue with you. Uh, all right, so best sound. I'm sticking with Star Wars Force Awakens. No problem, but I'm going to go with straight out of Compton. Uh, oh, yeah. And they yeah, cut yeah, back and choice. forth between yeah. the... I mean, the dialogue was uh, mixed and edited beautifully, and then cutting back and forth to the concert sequences were just amazing. It okay. really made me feel something. I'm so glad I saw it in the theater. That movie was so much better than I think it had really any right to be, yeah. and then it's gotten ignored in like every category in the Oscars, but at that point, right. I'd say... 
who cares? They made a fucking great movie. And that's like, how Ice Cube feels. Yeah, yeah. like, and I think they're right because yeah. they made a great movie out of that. Sound? Uh, Fury Road for sound. Okay, yeah, yeah. another good solid, choice. Solid. Yeah, it felt very tact. Like it felt when the when the punches landed, I felt it. When the yep. gunfire shot rang out, felt it. Every every part of the sound, I felt. So that was actually that's why I yeah. like it. I'm that's like, a close close one for me. But I I went straight out of Compton because I figured no one else would. Yeah. So, yep. And I had to go with Star Wars because the the redesign on Star Wars, like they yeah the the reinvention of like the sounds of Star Wars was something that I thought I'd be like fuck you, me and they too. did such a good job with yeah. it that it was. I loved it. I mean, I, I do sound for a living, and Ben Burt from the original is, is one of my heroes, and yeah. uh, I'm really happy with what they did. Yeah, I think they did it. Obviously, I picked it. I think they did a great job. Uh, so, screenplay. Uh, I got to go Ex Machina. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah, it, it's, it is the, I think it's the most well-written film of a very long time now, and it yeah. just did such a great job making such a very simple story into something that I am just constantly engaged in. I just want to hear everything they have to say. I want to see everything they have to do. I just want more and more and more. Yeah. Such a good job. Ex Machina is high on my list. Uh, I went with kind of what I thought was a, had surprisingly good dialogue, and that's Ant-Man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Especially for how many people threw their hat in the ring on that uh, yeah. that screenplay. It's very impressive that they actually came out with something that worked that well dialogue yeah i don't give a shit about that movie as a superhero action flick but the the comedy aspects of it were great really good yeah uh since i'm a fan of this this writer i'm going with the martian drew goddard oh yeah okay his style of writing is very like palatable Mm -hmm. he has a way of taking and he took what's essentially a ensemble space movie and turning it into into finding funny funny moments in what could be just an overly too serious about itself drama Mm -hmm. in space that having uh, Donald Glover in there as like the weird space nerd trying to figure solve the problem. Like there's humor where it needed to be to balance out the um, the thrilling action. Yeah, and he's good with his endings too. So the, there's a clever he, he cuts at the right moment. He ends the script, and his script always has a, a, a sense of fun in it. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on to cinematography. And I'm not sure if either one of you saw my pick, but if you did, you'd agree with me because it is one of the most beautifully shot movies ever. And that's the walk. Ooh, I didn't see it. I haven't. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm if a Zemeckis has a movie in theaters, I'm there. Like, I don't give a shit what it's about, even if it's a horrible, for some reason, animated thing. If he's on as directing it, I'm there. I love Zemeckis. <laughs> Dead Eyes, the animation. <laughs> oh my god, I, I hate those movies. But still, he made them. I went and saw them. Um, but this movie is easily one of the best shot films ever. I've never actually gotten vertigo from a movie. Ooh. I'm not afraid of heights. They've never bothered me. This movie did it. And that sounds it, pretty cool. It, it was so fucking good, especially if you can see it in IMAX 3D, how it was meant to be seen. Easily one of the best shot films of all time. Well, if I had seen it, I would change mine to your pick, but I'm going to go with uh, Revenant for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah, and that one's probably going to win, and it yeah. totally deserves to. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to do uh, Sicario, Roger Deakins. No. You just have to pick yeah. Roger Deakins. <laughs> yeah. Again, like, I'm, I'm unapologetic about my fandom. <laughs> yeah. For writing, it's Drew Goddard, and for uh, camera work, it's Deakins. Yeah, I, can't, I can't argue with Deakins. And, and and he manages to make understated still look really good. Yeah. Like, and that's an understated movie in every step of the way. I even fucking a, love that movie. So good. And just the way he composes those shots, even. <sighs> sorry, I gotta just have a moment to myself. <laughs> All right. Well, we you do, while you <laughs> yeah. do that moment, we're gonna move on to uh, production design. Um, and this one was it was almost a tie for me, but I didn't want to give myself the. Uh, the out of having a tie, so I had to make a decision. <laughs> yep, and I went with Ex Machina. Okay, yep. um, because the entire building of their 
the building they work and live in is just it is such a mind-blowing establishment that i want to be there and it, i want to it see defines it. the characters it really did it was a great job it was that or my runner-up was mad max ah uh, uh, mad max is cool but i agree with you ex machina yeah yep same oh wow we have one clear-cut winner today should we look up the person's name uh, i guess we could yeah i have it open here because i was i forgot to say alex garland for some reason and then as soon as i start talking ex machina i always just kind of pull up the page I-, I feel bad we're actually talking about a specific part of a movie and we don't even know the person's name who did it that is uh it, <laughs> that's it, so it, hollywood <laughs> i know uh it's like so good oh my god it was mark digby cool mark you did a yeah, good job yeah. mark, i dig your work yeah mark did a, a great job uh, so best sequel and or remake, um, Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max. Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this one. I mean, it's a very close runner-up for Star Wars because Star Wars no. did a great job. But it, it's Here, uh, the thing is, Star Wars did a fun job for me. But when I think about the actual category of best sequel or remake, yeah. I want to put in my head the old ones, and I want to think about who actually improved on the formula and yeah. basically giving us what we didn't know we want that was kind of my thing it's like yeah. giving yeah. us something that we didn't know we wanted and star wars gave the fans and us everything that we wanted which is not innovative right so See, for me it's a it's a close runner-up just because it's star wars and it gets that little bit like bump no matter what yep. i want to think about it it's like yeah. oh i love it it's star wars uh but no when it comes like best of anything like mad max was it was just everything that it needed to be and more yeah yeah it's like uh, i didn't know i wanted this this yeah. is awesome um, so best actress, uh, this is hard. This for is me. a tough one. This uh, was a tough one. Yeah. Uh, go, you go girls. Yeah. yeah. They, this was a, a very good year for like strong, well-written yeah. female characters and like the, uh, yeah. I'm down to, uh, Alicia Vikander yep. for Ex Machina, yep. Daisy Ridley for Star Wars and Charlize Theron. I was at all three of those yeah. and I ended with Charlize Theron for Mad Max. Nice. That, that's, I mean, it was that or Alicia Vikander for me. I mean, Daisy Ridley was close, especially yeah. as like a kind of a newcomer to the right. scene. That's why I want to pick yeah. her. And she did a great job, but, uh, Charlize Theron with, uh, with Mad Max, she made oh, she one of the greatest characters, like such a good job. And she owned yeah. that movie. I'm gonna go with Alicia Vikander because I've uh, I've met her in real life and she's Which, nothing like that character. Alicia Vikander from Ex Machina, yeah, not one of the other millions. Was she of in a, a million other ones? She but was yeah, in for Ex Machina. Yeah, she was in that. She was in um, the Danish Girl and she was in uh, Man from Uncle all last year. Oh, okay, I didn't yeah. see those other two. Yeah, she had a good year. She's actually she was up for a Golden Globe for uh, Danish Girl. Awesome. Yeah, gonna go with Alicia Vikander. Yeah, because uh, playing a robot and actually putting something like making it the character compelling is hard to do. Yeah. Like and she's like the best bad robot since Hal. Yeah. Yeah. And she did such a good job of making you of like making you feel like Dom Hall Gleason of like I love her. Oh, she's yeah. great, but holy fuck is she dangerous. Yep. Yep. Getting us right into his point of view was really important and she nailed it. Yeah. And uh, I I heard the story of how she auditioned for that movie was she actually was on something else, probably a man from Uncle. Yeah. And uh she like either paid them or bought the crew all uh, beers afterwards to stay after their 12-hour day to make her audition tape for Ex Machina. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm really excited to see what we get from her in the Me upcoming like, year. I mean, is, I she's like know. one of those like actresses to watch right now. Oh, absolutely. And I don't. I hope Daisy Ridley gets to leave the Marvel compound. Yeah. <laughs> or the, the, the yeah. Disney compound, I mean. But uh, they might have her trapped for the next 10 years. We'll see. Yeah, it's like her and it's... Um, now I'm blanking on her name. The girl who's in uh, Rogue One. 
Um, oh yeah i don't know her name either but uh she looks like she's gonna be a big breakout i think that movie is gonna do way better than we all expected. felicity jones felicity jones yes from um last year's uh the stephen hawkins movie she's she's phenomenal it's like her alicia vikander daisy ridley like there's it's a great time for uh to watch like female actors right now yeah they're doing some amazing things that it's I'm I'm very like I'm I'm obviously a feminist. I totally believe in that, and like it's really exciting to see like these really good, well-written roles going to women right now. And right, it's, it's awesome, and they're doing a great job as well. They of course would. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, yeah. this is the year where it's not a weird thing to see a woman's name first on the bill. Yeah, it it, it shouldn't. It's be. like and what this is. It's uh, definitely. Moving I mean, that way. Mad Max was a terrible. Uh, a perpetrator of like putting Tom Hardy's name on first when really Charlie's was the hero. The and movie. I feel like everyone involved in the movie knew that and everybody right. involved in the marketing just didn't understand. And same with uh, Star Wars actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Star Wars is the biggest problem of that one, but that's a whole different podcast. We don't want to spoil yeah. that she's in the movie. <laughs> she's in the movie. Yeah. Uh, all right. So best actor. Uh, this one was very, very close for me, like very close. And I went for the one that I, I think is for me, ekes out a little bit more and my other one was very obscure so i was gonna go for dama hogleason in ex machina because mm. he was such an amazing job in that thing and i think much like alicia vikander's actress to walk he's an actor to watch yeah um but ultimately i, I gotta go with my boy leonardo DiCaprio in the revenant he did such a good wow. job such a good job he wins something now <laughs> I, I don't know i love i think it. he's done better i don't I, think he did a good job in the revenant but i'm not on that camp Oh, I think he was so good in that movie. Like he was, he kept the whole movie going. Like both him and Tom Hardy yeah. were just so fucking good in that movie. <clears throat> yeah, they're both gonna have great years. Uh, I'm gonna go with Oscar Isaac though for Ex Machina. I liked him a little better than Domino Gleeson, and especially seeing them both appear in Star Wars later uh, as completely, as completely different, ca- different characters. Oh, they're so talented. Yep. so talented. But Oscar Isaac, man, he creeped me out that yeah. entire yeah. film. There was something about him that just didn't quite feel right, and yep. it was an intangible thing. And that's also hard to pull off. So I'm going to go with Oscar Isaac too. Yeah, just because. Wow, compelled by someone and yet scared by them so much. Yep, and that even trickles down into the robot he made. Like, how do you, how do you do that? That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So best director, I had written down an uh, an answer here that uh, I'm going to say it's not my choice though, because the more I'm thinking about it, it's I need to stick with my gut. Uh, so the one that I immediately thought of when I think of the best director of the year is the one who made the movie that just like blew me out of the water, yeah. which was George Miller with Mad Max. Uh, he did a great job coming back to his franchise, did an amazing job with it, but when it comes down to it, Alex Garland for Ex Machina yep. made the best movie of the year. And Hands he, down. he did such an amazing job. And they're this. they're good for different reasons. Fury Road is good for all for the world building, for the themes and the elements, the you know, the flaming guitar player, yeah. uh, the cars. But if you want to talk about actually getting down with three actors and getting the best performance you can out of that. Alex Garland for X Machina, and it's it speaks volumes because I'm not sure if you saw Man from Uncle, and it's nothing against Alicia Kander, but it's she did a fine job in Man from yeah. Uncle, and she just kind of looks like the hot girl in that movie, and she does okay, and then you watch her with like a talented director, right. and it's like she's one of the best actresses working today, like like holy shit, like he pulled a performance out of both her, out of all three of them, yep. that was like the best of their career. Like I can't obviously say that because who knows what they're gonna do from here on out, but like so far it is it, it is amazing, yeah. and that's well, even say it, and then that challenges them to prove you wrong. Yeah, exactly. And like it's like you saw Inside Lewin Davis with Oscar Isaac, and it's like, well, this guy is the best actor ever. And then you see him in this, and it's like, holy fuck, he can do everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did Except you a- be like the weird buddy to Finn for some reason. Yeah, that's awkward. But- <laughs> I, I, I too was kind of waffling between George Miller and Alex Garland for yeah. Ex Machina. And 
I think the only reason I'm going to stay with Mad Max is because of fun. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. This guy knows how to make fun in a way that isn't taking it like he doesn't take himself too seriously. And too many action movies and people take themselves seriously. I would argue the exact opposite. He takes it very seriously. He takes the entire world of Mad Max super serious. And it's the seriousness that he brings to it that just kind of allows it to be fun. Yeah. But I know what you mean, too. He doesn't, like, hold it. Like, he doesn't worry about continuity through his world. He doesn't hold it to all these high uh, stakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, yeah. He's got kind of a a very kind of, I don't want to say it. Uh, punk aesthetic to yeah. it, but he kind of does that where it's just like you know there are established ways of doing it and I'm just going to do it my way fair enough so I mean he's very in your face in a way that I kind of like I mean you could say he doesn't take his world seriously but then you've got a guy in pajamas playing a flamethrower guitar that's true and, <laughs> I mean, and you've got like that's him yeah that, absolutely. That's, his, that's his doing it's yeah. his aesthetic and it's beautiful uh, alright so best film of the year I mean I think my pick's kind of obvious the way that most my isn't it? I, I feel like we all know yeah, it's, yeah, I, it's, me and you yeah it's Ex Machina are gonna like, pick Ex Machina it's so fucking good like yep. it is one of the few movies like I say this every year whenever I do like my best of list like I do it if you ever go to our row three like our host domain and you see it I'll always put my number one it's the one movie out of the year that I will watch as many times as possible and last year it was Babadook which I've watched oh wow uh, I can't even tell you how many times I was gonna say Whiplash but oh Whiplash is so we still need to throw that on our calendar I need to talk about Whiplash but I love the fuck out of Babadook and I've watched it so many times and this year it's the exact same thing with Ex Machina I've already seen the movie I don't know how many times since I bought it on Blu-ray it's so fucking good it's really good and it makes me think even this uh, many months down the road like we're talking about Mad Max and I I go oh that was fun then we talk about Ex Machina and I get creeped out yeah and I don't remember when that movie came out it was a long time ago though it was like yeah middle of last year it was early last year, wasn't it? Maybe. And I, I, I agree. It doesn't matter. No. And where is, like, where is <laughs> Mad Max? Check yourselves. Where is the Mad Max is the fun one? I think if we were to split the best into fun and the most important, Ex Machina wins for most important. And, yeah. And Mad Max is the most fun that I've ever had in a movie. Hands down. And just Ex Machina gives, like, there's a lot of thinking. And I love it. It makes you, it, it brings up a lot of challenging issues. And there's so many elements that talk to the theme. In that movie, there's not a throwaway element in Ex Machina at all. So you're with Ex Machina. Ex Machina, as well? yeah, for right. sure. It it has that edge because at the end of the day, we'll we'll always talk about and debate and discuss the plot, the parts of Ex Machina. Right. And then Mad Max will just end with it was being very fun. It was very fun, and the conversation will end for uh, Mad Max, and probably not for Ex Machina. Yeah. So no. Unanimous. Yeah. That, wow. So we have one. I think this is the first time it's ever happened in a best of episode where we actually all agree on the best movie of the year. But I mean, it really. I mean, fuck, it was. It's pretty clear. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sad that not everybody in the world agrees. It wasn't even nominated for Best Picture, but it, for me, it's it's obvious. Um, all right, so with that, uh, we're going to do one more thing, which is we're going to go around the table here, all three of us, and we're going to say the one, like, pick a category out of thin air, if yeah. you will, and just say your favorite thing from 2015 that we didn't really touch on in here. Uh, who wants <clears> to go first? I was going to say, uh, we didn't really talk about music, and we talked a lot about talking about music. Um, <laughs> Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly was the best album. But I'm going to say the best thing of all time to happen in 2015 is Donald Trump. <laughs> For all of the obvious reasons. He has been my source of entertainment for the past year, and he's never going to stop. I really hope he does stop. <laughs> he oh, he's not going to stop entertaining. He's going to stop true. running for president at oh, some I, point. I but. really hope so. It's going to be a very sad, <laughs> sad America. Uh, mine, I'm going to go with music. Uh, 
I'm going to go with the the little itty-bitty band from New York, Too Many Zoos. Uh, I've mentioned them on a podcast a long time ago. They have a, a Kickstarter going right now that I hope works from. Probably isn't going to. They're not getting that much backing. Um, but they released an album in 2015 called um, uh, Brass House Volume 1. And uh, it's you can get it on Bandcamp for, I think, like four bucks. But it is just it is a party in your car awesome. as you drive around. It's just a fucking awesome album. It's just it, they do such a good job, and they're just such a fun energy. Like it just feels like a group of kids playing, which is really what it is. And they they're just amazing. Really, really fun band. I highly recommend them. The best thing. A lot of like, it was a lot of good things, but I don't know about best. I would say, and it's a category we already touched on, and I didn't have a place to put it in the best of. But I finished uh, Child of Light. Okay. And what a what an interesting game. Maybe not mechanically. It's just you know your, your standard turn-based. It's a beautiful game. It's a beautiful game, and that's what is still sticking with me today. Like the soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, I I've, I listen to it a lot just because it's so so beautiful, and then the art style is so beautiful. And I actually like when I first started the game, I didn't like the rhyming in hmm. like everything rhymes in every all the dialogue rhymes. And I thought it's like this is kind of dumb, but by the end it was like I'm kind of welling up with emotion here at the ending <laughs> like turning into a little wimpy guy that's awesome <laughs> but it's so beautiful and it's such a beautiful experience and i didn't realize that you know you could do that in a video game yeah. um all right so with that we're gonna bring 2015 officially to a close a month later a month later why not yeah um and then uh yeah so let's talk i'm gonna talk really briefly about what we have coming up uh we have uh we're gonna kind of start changing the format a little bit not entirely i'm not really gonna we're not gonna call attention to it too much other than me telling you right now too late um but we're basically gonna try to start doing uh battles once a month and verses once a month which we're gonna do our first verses here not next week the week after that with uh jurassic park versus jurassic world yeah it's gonna be fun um, and i'm really looking forward to that we're, we're kind of working out the format right now which is partially why we're giving it a little bit more time <laughs> um but next week we're gonna do our throwbacks episode which is after the hype but severely after the hype way after uh the hype. so we're starting with the 90s and we're going to the biggest movie ever from the 90s which is titanic um so we're having a first time guest on for that one it should be a lot of fun and then we're having an old friend guest who has not been on in a long time for that uh and then the other one that we're doing that next month is going to be to celebrate its 30th birthday much like i'll be celebrating my 30th birthday soon we're doing pretty in pink um <laughs> oh, nice. which celebrates its 30th birthday i believe in february or march but yeah so we're going to talk about that one and then we have uh we're doing a tv episode another battle we have a whole bunch of stuff coming up on the plate that's really excited and i'm really excited looking forward to how we're not changing things, but kind of evolving a little yes. bit. Yes, moving and forward. Yeah. Super thanks to Sheldon and Kirk from uh, yes. Deus Ex Comica for coming on. Uh, Jeff from um, being my friend for coming on. <laughs> Nick from uh, formerly after the hype for yeah. being on. Hajukin from Hoboken. Yep. Basically laying the foundation with you for this podcast. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, we want to have all those guys on again, either in a call in or in person. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks to all of them, and thanks to everyone for listening. And with that, bye.